record. There we are. We are recording. What do you got? Done. Prancy, what do you what do you, what do you want to go by? Prancy, Dan, Daniel, Danny Boy, what do you go? By, is that Vizen? Wherever you want to take. Is that Vizen or Wizen? It's it's okay. This is um yeah, I guess it's the Weizen. Uh it's a craft beer. Uh, from Germany, I believe. Czech Republic, oh. excuse me. Ooh. There we go. Cheers. Cheers. Here's to you. Well done. Ah. You love that sound, don't you? Of course, I'm drinking cheap-ass Coors. I'm drinking cheap Coors Light because I'm saving my money for sats. <laughs> <laughs> I, only, I, think, I only... I thought it was Budweiser in the U.S. No, not Budweiser. Coors is from the mountains of Colorado, the Rocky Mountain Water. They got a there's a a big uh, aquifer underneath Coors. Coors is only made in Golden, Colorado. That's the only brewery for Coors is in Golden, Colorado because they've got an aquifer underneath it, and it's the Rocky Mountain spring water, right? Uh. And that always had me as a kid because when I was a kid, uh, the movie Smoking a Bandit, do you know that movie? Mm-hmm. The it. fact was, back there in the 70s, you couldn't find Coors on the east side of the Mississippi River. It was only sold on the west side. You know, the Mississippi comes down in the middle of America, right? So the whole premise of that movie was they were outlaws running that truck across the Mississippi River to Texarkana to pick up the Coors to take it back to Georgia for a party. <laughs> that was the whole premise of that movie. And now Coors is sold everywhere, but it's only made in Golden, Colorado because of the water that they use. And, and Budweiser's made everywhere. They just make it. It's all over America where they make Budweiser and all that stuff. But... Uh, so I've I just always because I always I grew up there in the Midwest, which is on the east side of the Mississippi River. But I always wanted to be west, which is why I went to college in Arizona and everything else. I just love the West. The West, that's where the cowboys were at, you know, back in the day. The whole thing. You know, the West was like the wild, wild west. It was the crazy times. So even when I was a little kid, same thing. I just wanted to be. I wanted to be out there on a horse and shit, you know. So when it came time to drink beer, it was Coors. Now everybody else, dad and my uncle and everybody else drank Pat's Blue Ribbon. Just the shit beer that is the shit beer of America. And you just get used to it, so that's what you drink. And every once in a while, when I do want to splurge, it's either Guinness or Shiner Bach, which is out of Texas. And the Shiner was German people. And it's uh, probably like that one you're drinking there, the Weizen. It's a it's a Bach beer. And they came out, they immigrated from Germany and they've been making it for a hundred years down in a little town called Shiner, Texas. And it's just killer beer, you know. But when I look at the craft beers and that stuff, I go, well, fuck, I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a six-pack. Because, like, the cheap shit, the Keystone Light, 
which is which is a Coors brand, <laughs> and Miller Coors is together now. It's a Coors brand, but it ain't made in Colorado. It's just made whatever the fuck they can make it. You can buy a 30-pack of Keystone Light for 13 bucks at Walmart. <laughs> 30 beers for $13. It's like, all right, let's go. Quantity, <laughs> you know. So that's usually what it is. Uh, but out here in Nevada, you can buy beer. You can buy liquor, everything at gas stations. You just go into the gas station. You're filling up your car. You go buy the beer. And they've got all the cheap stuff, you know, and it, that's what it is. It's cheap. Like tonight on the way home, I uh, I always do this because my, my drive home is like 70 miles. I don't know how many kilometers that is. 100, 100 kilometers. And it's just out in the middle of the desert. I've got no problem. Like I say, drunk driving's bad. Never drunk drive. But drinking and driving's fine <laughs> as long as you're not drunk. So on the way home, I've always got two or three beers on the way home because it's just I'm out in the desert. There's nothing out here. The minute you leave Reno, Nevada, it's it's 60 miles of just me and the rocks and I'm just driving. So I've got the stereo on. I've got a few beers and I'm just drinking and driving home. It's no big deal. And now it's against the law. And if I get caught, I'm fuckered beyond comprehension. <laughs> you know, because I've had one of those DUIs way back in the day when I was like 36 or something. And even when I was 36, it was it was like a fuck. Hey Lauren. There she is. Put it in. Say hi to Bubba. There you go. Hi. Hi, Lauren. How are you doing? Good, and you? Well, I, I just got home from work. I've been up all night, and I'm good. It's my weekend off. for starting right now. It's my weekend off. So I'm good. The wife, Cressy, I got home. She already went to bed. She gave up on me because I, I was hoping she would stay up. And I said, ah, we're going to do this. She goes, I'm going to bed. She's got to work at like three in the afternoon. Oh. And it's seven and something in here in the morning. So she's in bed. But how are you? You got any questions? It's kind of the reversal. You weren't ready for that. You got any more questions from this crazy hillbilly on the other side of the world? <laughs> um, yeah. So my question, uh, I got, I have a question, but my other question is, do you have a question for me? <laughs> yes, I do. Ah, because <laughs> I was going to nail you with that. Yeah. You, you, how, wait, first off, are you, how old are you? I'm nearly 10. Okay. That's close enough to 10. Because I have a theory. I have a theory theory and i'm probably wrong because it's not scientific and i'm just me i believe that all of us your dad included all your siblings and your your mom by the time we're 10 years old our core values who we are as a person the core the uh, the rock solid like we'll change as you grow older you you change but your core values are set in stone. 
like everything your mom and dad have taught you and everything you've learned up to this point have created who you're going to be at the core. You're, you're like the foundation of your house. The house of Lauren is already set in stone. What, what I, the question was, and this is a big question. Who do you think you are? <laughs> now I know what you feel when I ask you my questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I guess I'll be more specific. I know you know the difference between right and wrong, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think? And and it and this will change. But what do you think? Let's say twenty years from now, when you're thirty years old. Yeah. What? What do you think you will believe in? Um. Well. I wouldn't know because that would be in the future. So. Okay. Okay. Right now, right now at 10 and, and, and someday 20 years from now, you can come find us. What do you believe in at 10 years old? Um. Yeah, I know it's a big question. <laughs> um Bubba's only had half a beer as well. <laughs> well six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't answer it, that's okay. Because it's it's just a theory of mine. Because I I think just for me, I think when I was your age. My mom has told me about my rebelliousness. At six years old, I swore up and down I was never getting married. I was never having kids. Never had kids, but I ended up getting married. But a lot of things she said that I said when I was a young kid, she said I've just lived it that way. That's how my life has gone because my brother was directly the opposite. Directly. 180 degrees opposite of me so what you're not really thinking about it's in your head it's there you know and, and and you may end up there so i didn't know if you could spout something out and then 20 years from now come back and look at this and hear this and go oh my god i oh who knew it's just a theory of mine okay <laughs> wow, that was a hard question. Mm. <laughs> but what, what do you believe? believe in being a nice person and, and being I true? I and... believe in um, we can help people. Mm. Yeah. Do you want to help yourself? 
I want to help myself, yeah, and I want to help other people who actually need help. Do, do you, do you want to be selfish? No, because if you're selfish, then your friends won't really like you or anyone well, really won't like you. Okay, okay. Let me tell you this. I want you to be selfish. I want your dad to be selfish. I want your mom to be selfish and all your sisters and your brothers to be selfish, right? You've got two brothers, right? No, I got two sisters and one brother. Okay. I want everybody to be selfish. Here's what I mean by that. In our society, they've told us selfish is bad. You should be selfless and think of everybody else before you. Now, here's my theory. You need to be selfish and it's good, not arrogant. You need to be selfish. You know why? Like your dad, your dad has to be selfish. You know why? Because if he doesn't take care of himself, he can't take care of you. He has to be number one. You have to be number one in your life. Because once you've taken care of yourself, then you can take care of others. But you have to be selfish. But in our society, they tell you, oh, if you take care of yourself and you... You're the first. Oh, you're a terrible person. You can't take care of others without taking care of self of yourself first. That's my theory. You that must be selfish. Yeah, it does. Wow. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you be it doesn't mean you need to be mean or anything like that, but you must take care of you are number one. Nobody's above you. You are the number one, a number one in the world, because once you've taken care of yourself, you can take care of everybody below you. Like I, I'm selfish, so I can take care of my wife. I come first because I make the money. I got to do this. I got to do that. If I don't take care of my health, I can't take care of her. I have to take care of me first. Then I can take care of her. <laughs> her whole family in the Philippines, <laughs> you know, the whole thing. So no matter what they tell you in this new society, think of yourself first. Always put yourself first because then you can take care of others. Okay. <laughs> Did I blow your mind, girl? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's just thinking about now she can just go down and eat all the cake because that's being selfish. Yeah, you <laughs> well, that 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 is short-sighted selfish. Yeah, and it would feel good. It would feel good to eat all the cake until well, you had all that cake in your belly, and then it probably wouldn't feel good. <laughs> I can steal the last cookie. <laughs> yes, if you think that's going to help you. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you have any questions for Bubba or are you uh, going to go down and play? What are you going to do? I'm talking to my friend. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Go, on, go go say goodbye to Bubba then. Okay. Bye. Nice talking to you again. Bye, Lauren. We'll see you again. Yep. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye.
Nice, mate. Nice bit of to blow your mind. <laughs> advice. Yeah. No, it's awesome though because you're right. You're totally right. You know, we get knocked the other way on that complete now. Yeah, we've well. Yeah, we've always been told. We've always been told. You know. Uh, don't be selfish. It's terrible to be selfish. But if you don't, this is where my weirdoness comes in again. If you don't think of yourself first, how can you take care of your family? Like if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of your family. There's no way. Yeah. No, cheers to that, man. Yeah. So, oh, anyways, we forgot that. I forgot to do this at the beginning. So, we got to do this at the beginning of the show. So, easy money makes life hard. Hard money makes it easy. So, belly on up to the bar. Story, hey, show your scars. Uh, stools and Bitcoin and bullshit. One more time, sing along. Bar, stools and Bitcoin, bullshit. There we go. We got that out of the way. <laughs> That's the intro song. What do you think? <laughs> I think that's going to be uh, a, an an interesting meme in um, in months to come. <laughs> yeah, could be. So, anyways, now I've got questions for you. We're flipping the script from where yep. we were the a couple weeks back. Yep. When when you when you. I'm going to split halfway in between my question because I'm very interested. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you took your trip, two and a half years, you said you traveled around the world. Where'd you go? What'd you see? What'd you do? (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, So much. The, The intent was originally to go for like nine months or so. And kind of extracted myself from the corporate lifestyle taking the kids out of school sold pretty much everything that we had that we had owned and we 15 years ago we had invested in a property in thailand in a very on a very small tropical island called coast and uh you yeah, know heard of it. it yeah it's beautiful and that's the first place we went because there was nobody in the house at that point. It wasn't being rented. So we just went there and, you know, dropped a knee for a couple of months and just tried to let all of this decision-making wash over us, like what we had done. You know, we'd, we'd been, at that point, I'd been 18 years in a career and we'd lived for 15 years in Singapore and we'd had the, all of the kids there in Singapore. So that was our life. And all of a sudden it wasn't anymore. And it was just, literally like pulling off the band-aid gone wow and it takes a while for you to compute that and certainly more than two months is still still to this day you know you you have flashbacks of that old lifestyle and uh so what did we do uh we, we took that two months to try and gather our thoughts 
think of okay what we were what are we going to do we want to travel we want to show the kids uh the world uh, different cultures different countries we had the means to do it there were a lot of uh, cheap flights that you could get especially in asia and uh, at that time and then we found this home swapping website which we listed the home on in thailand and to my astonishment within a couple of days we were getting requests from the first one was from a place in switzerland and then the second one was a place in bulgaria and we didn't end up going there because they just didn't work out but it's like wow we just opened the world <laughs> this is nuts all we did was like take some it's like listing on airbnb but instead of airbnb it's a home swap website and now you have this whole community of people that are willing to share their most cherished possessions i.e generally for most people that is their home and in many cases their their cars right usually you would never let a stranger into your home and you'd never let anyone else drive your car but all of a sudden there's this community say yeah you can come and stay in our house at absolutely no at all we'd love to host you we'd love to meet you when you arrive we've got a car that can seat six people you're more than welcome to use that we'll pick you up from the airport and i was blown away so this was when, when i when i look back on on these experiences you know like leaving the education system was a massive eye-opener and then entering the the sharing economy or circular economy whatever you want to call it with the home swapping people was just a double whammy. It's like, oh my God, right? The education system is the emperor is wearing no clothes over there. That's just a, a farce for most aspects of the whole thing. And having this, ha having been brought up to, like we all are, uh, to somehow not trust in our fellow human beings anymore, and then all of a sudden you're swapping homes with people that the U-turn we had on faith in humanity was instant. It was unbelievable. So we did the first few home swaps and they were incredible. Um, amazing properties. Sometimes you get to meet the people because um, you might be swapping with them. It might be their second property, their second home. So they'd even come. We had this one, one couple in Canada we landed into Canada, into Toronto, Rahul, about 9 p.m. And I had to get to the hire car place, hire a car. And then we had a three-hour drive across to the lakes, Lake Muskoka, I think we were. And the hosts, they lived, their, their normal family home was in Stratford-upon-Avon. They had driven to the family home that we were swapping with they were going to let us stay for uh, in the, in the house they'd driven there so they could meet us when we arrived at midnight in case we needed help getting the kids and the luggage out of the car because they knew the kids would probably be asleep after a long journey. So there they are midnight. Yeah. We turn up half past half past 12 in the evening and they're, they're of boomer age. They're there. They come rushing out. They're like, oh, it's so great to meet you. Are the kids asleep? Let us help you. Um, we'll show you around. They help us with the cases. They give us a quick tour of the house. And they said, don't worry, go get some rest. 
Um, we'll take this room down here. It was a big house, big lake house. We'll take this room down here. You guys have this one. The kids are all settled. We'll see you in the morning. We've got coffee. We've got donuts. We'll have breakfast together. We'll show you around the house, how everything works. Uh, we were like, man, this is, this is amazing. So sure enough, we wake up the next morning, share breakfast with them. They walk us around the whole house, show us how everything works. He's got this full pizza oven. He took some, he, he was a pizza connoisseur and he, then he opens his, he, he, he sees my interest light up when I see the pizza oven. He's like, Oh, you want to, you want to take this thing for a test drive? I'm like, absolutely. So he's like, right, this is how you want to use it. <laughs> you want to use this wood from this pile because this has been aging the longest. And you want to use this wood because it's apple wood. And then you want to use this and you've got to get it, make sure you get it so damn hot that the tip of the dome, when you look inside is white hot. Don't even try cooking before then. Like, let me show you where I keep all the paddles. Yeah. At. We go to his pizza cupboard and he's got all of his tools. He used this one for this. And he's like, right, let me show you where to find all of the ingredients. Cause I've got all the Itali Italian flour. In it. He opens his pantry. It's his pizza pantry. Like this is the, you don't, don't ever use any other flour than this kind of flour. And here's the semolina flour for when you want to roll it. And the best place to go and get your ingredients is, Oh no, look, we've got some, these are the best 10 tomatoes. He's pulling everything out. And he's like, you know, so we had the most amazing pizzas there. Uh, and they had this they had this speedboat tied up on the pontoon they had kayaks had stand-up paddle boards and it was just incredible like th these people were just more than happy to show us around and invite us into into their home so then we went and actually stayed in their family home so we could experience two um different towns and different areas of canada and they swapped back into their holiday home so when we went to go and meet them in their family home he took us on a factory tour of his of his work. Uh, that was truly interesting because they were taking recyclable plastic and turning it into home furniture. So here, this is homeschooling, right? This is this is when I when I when people hear homeschooling, they they think like kids are sitting down at the table and listening to mum and dad spout on and like you know you'd learn in science and maths. That's not the ethos. The ethos of homeschooling. This is a perfect example. You get invited to a guy's place of work and he takes you around the factory and shows you every stage of how you take a bottle top lid, how you crush that down into pellets, how you then take the pellets to the next station. There's robots zinging around all over the place and how you melt that down and then how you inject mold that. And then you go to the showroom at the end and this is what's just been made. And the kids were like, "My, well, so uh, me and Claire, we were just wide eyed. This is nuts we've we've just seen the whole process now if you show a kid that in a textbook they're going to be bored as fuck right it's it just not not interested and we had so many experiences like this um oh here's a great story we arrived in san francisco because friends of ours had an apartment there he worked at mcafee and they were going to spain for weeks for a big family and holiday and they needed someone to look after their dog and we needed a roof over our heads and we wanted to visit them so we got to visit for a few days look after their apartment look after their dog and um got three weeks in in san francisco in oh, right downtown it was amazing one night he'd given me instructions and i read the instructions and i just suddenly remembered ah we have to clear the the the, the garbage out so the people can come and take it. It was garbage collection day. So I'm downstairs 
taking our dustbins out and the guy next door, he's bringing tons of gear out, like loads. And I say to him, you need some space in the bin? Because we've got plenty here. And he's like, oh, thanks. That's so nice of you. Really appreciate it. We've just moved in. We've literally just moved in. And there's all this garbage. And I really appreciate it. We didn't want to leave it all on the street and you know, create a bad first impression to the neighbors. And then we just got to talking. And turns out he was uh, one of the, uh, he was a, I can't remember what division he was in, development, some kind of coding development at Google. And I said to him, huh, that's weird. I, uh, I only just tweeted. I used to do this wherever we went. I would tweet uh, like big, big people in the area. I, it's only, I only just tweeted um, Sergey Brin and Larry Page to see if we could come and take the kids around for a, uh, a look around Googleplex. And he looked at me like he had two heads. He's like, you did what? I said, yeah, I did that. You know, we, we homeschool the kids. And so whenever we turn up in a new city, we always, you know, what's the closest, nearest, coolest thing? And let's try and go and do that. He's like, did they respond? I'm like, no, I even added them to Google circles and, you know, reached out to them on Google circles because I figured they'd have a, an account. He's like, did they respond to that? I'm like, no, I wasn't expecting a response at all. He's like, can you get an Uber out there tomorrow afternoon? Like, yeah. He's like, I'll show you around. I'm like, you're kidding. He's like, no. So <laughs> I go back upstairs and I tell them, I tell my wife and kids this and Claire looks at me. She's like, you went down to take out the garbage. How have you <laughs> like, what, what the fuck? I'm like, I know you get talking to people and amazing shit happens. So sure enough, the next day we take an Uber out to Googleplex. He takes us around. They, they have this kind of like mini museum where they have all the, um, the characters of, of the different uh, versions of Google. So you've got the hot dog, the Android, the lollipop. Um, the kids were loving it. Then you take, you take us inside and we, uh, the kids got to play inside the ball pool, the actual ball pool that um, Sergei and Larry would take out to Burning Man and sit with Elon Musk and all these other guys in. Then they're trying out the sleep pods. Then they're doing this massive Google Earths, like this human scale experience Google Earth. And then we see the Google car driving around, self-driving. It's, it was like nuts. Um, and, and situations like this just kept happening. I've got tons of stories like this, tons. And this was a big realization that, you know, putting trust and faith in people none of us do it anymore and if if you if you can get over this this narrative i mean it's especially bad right now with what's going on with the pandemic where we're all just forced to hate each other and all of this karening nonsense that's going on uh, and police each other actually we're being forced to police each other this is the whole point of these masks or yeah. not masks you know it's just a way to divide people mm -hmm yelling at each other like elections are just a way to keep us all yelling at each other uh if if we if we did actually just put faith back in humanity that that person doesn't want to steal anything from me that person doesn't want to harm me that person just does want the best for me and this is what i mean just to bring it all back to bitcoin this is what bitcoin is kind of filtering down into people and it's the, the, the quicker we can move towards that, uh, you know, the better for everything. Yeah. I mean, what you were saying there is, is being old school like I am, 
I, be, I believe you throw a percentage on it, 95% of humanity. So I've traveled a lot, not just in America, but not just in the third world, but over in Europe and all that other stuff. Everybody's good, mm-hmm. except for 5%. The right. 5% are so ugly and bad. That's what makes the news because the news has to sell a paper. They got it, or now it's a click. It's, I, I know we equate it with the whole Bitcoin thing. It's been this way forever. It's been this way forever. Bitcoin is great for those that didn't believe it existed and haven't traveled enough and seen it or whatever. It, it gives them that. Like you said, it brings it back to, like, this is where we're going. Humanity. We're not bad. We're not ugly. Yeah, like I, I said when we were talking on, on your podcast, I hope humans don't extinguish themselves because they re- they believe what they're being told every day on the news. Humans are good. You you walk out, most of your, whoever's living right next door to you, they're nice people. And they'll, they'll, most, most times, like my wife says, about over here in America, she goes, it's amazing. Because she'd always heard that Americans were the worst, you know, just ugly people and la, la, la. She's like, they'll, I'm they'll just they'll do anything for you. They'll give the shirt off their back. Can, can you still hear me okay? Because I'm getting some weird audio from, from your side. I I had to take, yeah, I, I had to take one of my ear things out. Is it is it yeah, like breaking the, up? Yeah, the microphone is uh is really bad. So your your audio is, is coming through very strange. Let you me try this. It did, did the microphone did it get it did it get any better? Yeah, that's better. Okay. I had because one ear was going goofy when you were talking. And I took it out and I went, Oh, okay, it's clear. It's gone it's gone goofy again. Right. Uh, you might want to try uh perhaps just switching back to your laptop audio. Uh that might be okay. Right. Try that. I'd love to take these things out of my goddamn ears. <laughs> Let's see. How does that sound? Yeah, stick with that for now. All right, good. But I, most of humanity is good people. We're not. We're not ugly. You know, we're not crime ridden and killing people and stuff. Ninety-five percent of humanity is just good people. It doesn't matter where you're at in the world. It's like even in war-torn countries. Most most people are just trying to get up and and provide for their families. That's it. And most people are nice, like these people that just reached out. You know, yeah, I'll take you around and a lot, a lot. That's life. I don't I don't think it gets. It's not like some massive deep conspiracy of shit. It's just like people are good. We've been told for the last I don't know most of my life uh, that, that uh, people are nefarious and they're bad and they're, everybody's out to get you and a lot of that. And that's all bullshit. I mean, there are people out there that are 
nefarious and shit. But you usually, I always say everybody's to blame for it. Their, their own selves to blame when they fall for nefarious stuff. Because usually if you're talking to somebody that's a bad person, a red flag goes up in your brain. But what they're telling you sounds so delicious that you you ignore the red flag. And that's our own human greed and whatever that's about. And so you run into that. But if you if you gut instinct, you know, like if you if you trust your gut instinct, what's really when you're talking to somebody you don't know, you get you're like a, a like a dog. You know, they, they say like when you open the front door and it's somebody smiling, you say, oh, how are you? And your dog's growling. Trust your dog. Because they may know. Uh, our own gut instinct, we, we, we tend to, the, in the modern day, we don't believe our gut instinct that tells us when somebody's good, bad, or trying to take advantage. Um, no, we're just, we're just it, wired to think, it, especially in the workplace, like, you know, we're just hard, hardwired to think that our bosses or our uh, colleagues, our peers, that they're all there just to try and get ahead of you at your expense. Yeah. And, you know, this behavior all comes, we, you and I know why this behavior is, uh, is there in the first place. It's because the money's broken, you know, yeah. this, this, this mechanism in which we are supposed to communicate with each other, you know, the, the, the pricing of goods and services the mechanism of life. Yeah. I mean, like the, the money is, you know, that, that medium of exchange between us, that is a form of communication, right? It's 50% of every transaction. And if that has been completely manipulated and centralized and monopolized, then it's controlling us. And that it's, it's that basic. We're just puppets on a string to this fiat system. And the more that they push it one way, we all sway that way. And then the, they bring it back the other way and we all go that way. And that the whole time, we have no idea the real value of goods or services. We, everything is just completely... Anything. Nothing. Anything like house housing prices and, and and food prices have been so the stuff you need you need a roof over your head you need food in your belly and you need clothes on your back and it's been for you know i don't i don't have that many years on you but i got like almost you know 14 or whatever on you it's been that way since i was born everything's manipulated because I always remember, like I said, I'd come back. Here's grandpa bitching and moaning like the whole night, the whole night. What the fuck happened in 1971? Oh, yeah. my God. My mom and my dad, nothing. Oh, well, you know, Nixon did this, blah, blah, blah. My, my grandpa was screaming from the rooftops. Fucked up, blah, blah, blah. Because he comes from another, another era when that happened in 1971. But he would always say, I remember when something cost, you know, whatever, a nickel. Mm -hmm. And in 1970, you know, it cost a dollar. 
and you you just went oh that's grandpa i didn't but most people know that's an old man being full of shit you think of that from a nickel to a dollar that's a fucking jump you know and not in that long of a period of time because i can remember i tell people this uh i remember dad going to the gas station you know we're all in the car and this mm-hmm. is when somebody came out filled up your gas checked your oil did your windshields and all that shit right and he would say give me a dollar's worth a dollar's worth of gas wow gas my earliest memory that i remember the price of gas was 15 cents a gallon mm. And this is in either you think I was born in 63. So my earliest memory of thinking of that might have been in the late 60s, early 70s. 15 cents. And what is it now? Well, I know where I'm at. I just put gas in my car. It's 255 a gallon. Now that's still cheap compared to Europe and all that other stuff. But when you remember that. Okay, I smoke cigarettes. I remember my first pack of cigarettes. I wasn't supposed to be able to buy them, but I did. Was 30 cents. Cigarettes in America now, Marlboro's uh, here in Nevada is almost $7 a pack. It's still just tobacco paper and a filter. It's the same fucking thing. Why hasn't it gotten cheaper? Instead, well, taxes and that stuff but it's the manipulation of the money none of our money mm-hmm. nothing you know like when i was going off on your thing nothing in my lifetime i hate to say this and i say this to people i go nothing in my lifetime is real other than my personal experiences with people i know that's real but i said work money this college all of it's fake it's like it, it is like the matrix, like a plug in Neo. It's I'm I look around and I don't know. I, like I say, I don't know how people don't see it because it's so obvious that this is manipulated. It's fake. And if, it, if something is manipulated, it is not real. But people accept it and the, and the mass majority of people accept it and they just take it. And they don't realize that they're, they're, it's slavery. I mean, I know that's a big word, but it it's, is. It's not, because it is. And Breedlove made a great job of, of I mean, that's, that's what woke me up to, like, the, the slavery. What, listening to Guy read, um, and reading Robert's. Uh, yeah, Masters of Ma- Slaves. Masters of Slaves and Money. And... That is just such a smack in the face because it, it, it's just such a brilliant piece of writing. The way he did it, the way he, you know, it's a historical, that kind of stuff should be in textbooks, right? It's just an amazing history lesson and economics lesson and wake up call all in one piece of writing. And it is slavery, you know, to, to the overlords who are, somehow who have managed to place themselves in this position where they can just print money out of thin air well, and, reward, 
themselves at the cost of everybody else. Yeah. I mean, that's why in my crazy way <laughs> I've lived, uh, and especially the whole, I've, I've told all my friends and I can, I can tell everybody in the whole Bitcoin community left and right, up and down sideways, just get debt free. It is the unbelievable, most best feeling on earth because you are no longer a slave to fucking nobody. I know there's a lot of people, you know, in the, in the Bitcoin community that think they're, they're rich because they've got this many Bitcoins and stuff, but yet they're still living a sort of a, they don't, they don't want to admit it. They might be living a bit of a slavery life. Uh, they're just not as much slaves as they think they, they, they are. There is, because of the manipulation of money around the world, around the world, they, it's made slaves out of everybody, but at their own hand. They've chosen to buy into the stuff, get the car, get the house, da da da, whatever it is, they get on payments. You know, they don't even advertise car prices here in America. They hardly ever advertise the price of a car. They advertise the, the payments. <laughs> what the fuck? People, when I sold cars, they didn't ask me what the price was. They asked, what payment can you get me? Hmm. Well, fuck, I can, I can screw you to the ends of the earth. Watch me get you a $600 payment. I'll get it. Cause I'll, you know, I'll go into the finance guy and he'll go, Oh, we've got some, we got some on the, on the line. I go, yeah, fuck them. I wouldn't say that, but I could have a lot of the guys I worked with, they would put people in a car with a 25% interest. I would walk out. I would walk out and tell my customers who might not have been the best credit worthy people on earth. I'd say, look, they wanted to say a Ford Explorer. I'd be like, come on out here. Let me show you the escort. And here's right. why. And I would get them outside of the building and I'd say, look, this Explorer is going to cost you $600 a month. And this is in 99. So God knows what that is today. $600 a month. I know you've got a baby and stuff, but we got a five-star crash rating and all this other stuff. This Escort's going to cost you 200 Almost every one of them went, no, nope. I want that. I want that Explorer. Okay. I tried. I tried to save you from yourself and you didn't want to take it. Um, it, it, it amazes me. Now, I don't know your whole situation and all this stuff. I mean, it's amazing what you guys are doing. I, I love because if I had had, I'm like you, if I had had kids and a family and stuff, I would have taken them out of school. I'd, I'd be doing exactly what you're doing. Just that, yeah, and and you're that. You you you're 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 a much kinder rebel than I am. You're very quietly a rebel, and you are rebelling against the whole system. You know you are. And yeah, wife. Yeah, and, and and that's great. I'm just loud it, about it. But it's yeah. I mean, well, I've tried to be loud about it. I've I've written a book about it. And that, uh, not I haven't read it yet. I told, and my brother doesn't talk to me. I told my brother, his kids are grown. They're both dentists and la da da. But he's got these grandkids. And mm. my brother is married to 
a retired public school teacher who thinks public schools are the best goddamn thing that ever fucking walked, right? Mm -hmm. And I've told him, I go, I, there's a book. You you gotta fucking read it. He goes, I he he just doesn't believe anything I fucking tell him. I'm just gonna fucking buy it and I'm gonna send it to him. <laughs> and his wife will see it and she'll think it's full of shit and stuff. But but I because like what you had said, uh, he he didn't he wasn't really there. He his wife died, so he had to raise his children as a single dad, which is really rough. But look at the the results. They, they're both great kids, dentist, just like dad, blah blah blah. So they're fine. His grandkids is what he puts his whole life into right now. Mm -hmm. And his grandkids are like three and four. So I can get him right now, but I'm I'm going to send him your book and and hopefully the wife doesn't steal it and burn it and shit. <laughs> this is a, a a realization that i made um which i um before before i get onto that uh i just want to round off the the, the thing that you're talking about debts because i've suddenly dawned on me just this week actually that when you know when people are in debt and they don't realize it but they're going in willy-nilly and actually knocking on banks doors begging to go in debt we, we've got a few friends around here that are trying to buy a house and they're having trouble getting the loan or the mortgage uh, because some of the banks aren't that impressed with uh, the amount that they've got to put down as a deposit for example so i'm thinking about my friends here and i'm like they're literally going around cap in hand begging these guys to put them in debt for the next 25 years I hear and that's you. really like that thing. Keep going. And, I hear you. Sure. And it's um yeah, it's just a big, big wake up call. And then I was thinking, look, we've got people here everywhere, all over the world, that will sit down to watch a documentary or perhaps the news or something. And this documentary or the news might be on, and I'll use air quotes, a developing nation or a third world country as we like to term them and you'll watch it and you'll get to the end and you'll say to your partner oh man it's so sad for those people isn't it look they've, they've literally got nothing like they 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 might have a hut to live in and you know they've got clothes on their back but like that's it they don't have anything they've got nothing without realizing that they're sitting on a couch that they've bought on finance, watching that documentary on a television they own two years of payments on, under a roof they're 250,000 pounds in debt on and have got another 20 years to pay that off with two cars on finance on the driveway. So they are minus 400,000, whatever. They're actually, so who's worse off? I mean, that's basic math, right? Zero is more than negative 400 thousand yeah this is the biggest lie of the western world and first developed nations whatever you want to call it it's just incredible that we've managed we've fallen for it hook line and sinker and put ourselves up on a pedestal and think it, 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 honestly it's crazy it really is crazy but then to move on to your, what you were saying about your brother and, and grandkids is one thing I noticed a great deal with uh, my generation, the extra generation, that 
uh, and it's not, thankfully, it's not necessarily true in, in my case, but in many of my friends' cases, and, you know, you see their, their parents, it's, it's all about their kids, right? It's all about their grandkids. And I've had a conversation with a couple of, couple of close friends, and they're like, you know, why the fuck couldn't he be like that with me? Why couldn't he be yep. the way he is with my grandkids? Why couldn't he be like that with me? And we have this whole generation of exes that were just like, basically, dad was doing what dad needed to do. He was out. He was in the office. He was building a career. But what was the cost? What was the ultimate cost? Uh, you know, that guy was still in debt by tens and tens of thousands of pounds, dollars or whatever. Still had you know but by and large might have had a successful career in in air quotes you know to find success we can go down that rabbit hole but now like the this this overhanging question on this extra generation is like what the fuck was actually going on like you know that so what? many and when you look at wtf 1971 when you look at those graph rates and you see like the divorce rates just skyrocket after 1971 so anybody born, like, you know, post, well, in the 70s to late 80s, early 90s, you know, that, that's, what, that's what was going on. Incarceration rates were going through the roof. Divorce rates were going through the roof. Yep. Debt was through the roof. Like mental illness was going through the roof. It's unbelievable, really. Really it is, is unbelievable. It, 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 it truly is. Uh, the mental illness thing is crazy. Because <clears throat> uh, when 1971 happened, I was eight years old. I remember it clearly. Not the whole Nixon speech, but I remember the reactions of the grown-ups around me. Like I said, my mom and dad, whatever. My grandpa was crazy. Uh, one of my neighbors, uh, one of my best friends when I was a kid, Brad, his dad was the president of Merchants Bank. Kenny Carr. Yeah. Kenny Carr. <laughs> he was fun. My ties in a can. My ties in a can. This is the 70s. My ties in a can on the boat. Cigarette. La, 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 la. I remember him just railing. He's the president of a bank railing about this shit. He goes, our money's fucked. Da, 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 and just, he would get drunk and just start fucking going. And, you know, all of us kids, I'm like nine or 10 listening to Kenny. And, you know, it was almost kind of scary. He was angry because as a president of a bank back in the day, when it was real money, and it got taken away, and he just would get drunk and rail. I'm I'm sure that was part of the, the drunkenness. He was trying to have a good time. He was always fun as shit, but he was mad, and you could tell he was mad. And it always stuck with me because that's a guy in money, and nobody else seemed to be. You know, we all heard about it at the time. We're we're off the gold standard. That's all us kids knew. What do we know? Mm. Okay, big deal. But I remember Kenny Carr, 
president of Merchants Bank in Indianapolis, and we're talking a skyscraper, 54 and some stories, a big fucking bank back in the day. And he's angry. He's mad. And I'm like, at 10, I'm like, why is this is the thought process? Why is Kenny so angry, but nobody else is? Why? Yeah, that is so. I, I, I'm just getting a bit of static again. Did you change? Um, did it switch back to your? No, not the microphone. No. microphone. Well, let's try again. God, hmm. maybe it's just me. <laughs> let's see. <laughs> is the, no, my microphone's still my. No, it's it's still there. Maybe it's. Okay. Here. I'm gonna take it back. Fine. On one more side. I maybe it's just coming through. Here. I put you on my headphone speaker so I could go to the bathroom and he still hear you. So I take it. Right, back. Okay. Is it better now? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, it's, that's, that's interesting because that's another, when you were on my podcast, you were talking about what are the moments in your past that you can now draw a straight line back to. This is clearly uh, one of those moments, right? You looking at it now, what you've learned through, bitcoin and sound me you can you, you you probably hadn't thought about that instant ever again for for a long time until bitcoin popped its head up no it was right now when you said it i remember wow. kenny yeah i remember kenny just railing it hadn't it hadn't clicked in my head all these years so it was you right right then when you would said that I wonder how many more of these kind of latent memories we have, like that, that we can, I, I have one, like uh, we had lived in Singapore for six or seven years and Claire and I wanted to get married. So we wanted to do that in England with all the family. I came back and I walked into the, the building society where I'd been saving money like a good lad since I was 10, 11, 12, whatever it was when mom and dad had opened the banking account. And I think I had, I don't know, 12 to 13,000 pounds in there, saved up birthday money and all of this kind of stuff, just put it away. And this is the day, this is the big day, this kind of thing you save for, right? I go in there, I say, right, I need 10,000 pounds of bill coming up. I've got to pay for the, the, the venue and the, the drinks and whatever else. And I said, well, we need uh, some identification. Like, here you go, here's my passport. And the girl, she was younger than me. She she looked at the passport. Said, "I've just got to check with head office." I'm like, um, okay, uh, right. So she calls head office right in front of me. She didn't get up or move. She's right there, and Claire and I are standing watching her. And so she's like, "Yeah, I just need to check a a passport." And so she so we can only hear her side of the conversation. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like a British passport. Yeah, where it's like maroon cover. Yeah. Uh, okay. She's flicking through the pages. And then she's like, yeah, the, there's like squiggly lines on the pages. The pages are numbered and the, the pictures of birds and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's something. Yeah, like the picture is all there and address and barcode. and Okay. All right hangs the phone up, gives me the passport back and says, no, oh, sorry, we, we can't accept that as, as legal identification. <laughs> like, like, Tell me that again. She's like, we, we can't accept the passport as a legal 
form of identification. I'm like, how much more legal does it get? That's a passport. And so now I started getting pissed off. I'm like, I opened the page. I'm like, you see that stamp there? That's the immigration of Singapore. You see this stamp here a week before? This is the immigration of Hong Kong because I had had to travel to Hong Kong for a business trip. And you right. see this stamp here? The day after the Hong Kong, me arriving, that's me arriving in Macau. Yeah. These three international ports of authority and customs officials have deemed this an official document. And here's all the other stamps that I've been. But you don't. Uh, I wasn't trying to be a dick, but I was like, what are you saying? This is my high street bank account. I've had a bank account here for 17 years. <laughs> Luckily, my mum and dad were walking past the front door. Uh, my wife saw them and went out and pulled them in. And we explained the situation. Then we get into a meeting with the branch manager who my dad knows because he used to stand on the sidelines with her when we were playing, as I was playing football as a young kid. <laughs> <laughs> like what, like what? Give him his money. Like this is his money. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, we'll sort this out. Don't worry. So we have to go through some freaking hoops and red flags and whatever else. And like, then I have a meeting with a different guy. You're like, what on earth is this dog shit? And I didn't, I just chalked that up as like a ridiculous, ridiculous company. Um, went on with life. And it wasn't until, I've told the story again since, but it was just one of those funny stories you tell at dinner party. But it wasn't until Bitcoin and all of these pennies and the sats start dropping. It's like, look at that. Look at that monopolistic centralized control over a person's money yep and like the anxiety that we were both feeling at that point you know 27 years old in front of this lady and as as a male as well as a man you know you're a provider and then all of a sudden what that money you're telling me i can't take my own money and i can't pay for this wedding which we have made so many plans for like like it's it's awful, but that our lives are littered with stories like this that I think are just going to keep bubbling up to the surface. The more and more we talk through these conversations together, I'm thinking of Kenny Carr. He's just another one. Well, when the Earth turned upside down in March, we went to our. I'm, I'm crazy. You know I'm crazy. The wife was was still, she had just come, she'd spent seven months in the Philippines, whatever, over at the farm, tending to the farm, pruning trees and stuff. She comes back in January. Thank God. She made it. She came back at the end of January before the whole lockdown shit. Because otherwise I would have really, I probably wouldn't have found Bitcoin. I would have drank myself into a frenzy <laughs> if she hadn't been able to get back to America. But she got back. Then March hit, you know, the whole lockdowns. I go to my bank and I said, I want to take out $50,000. And I called him. I said, I won't come for it for a week because I already knew I'd been taking money out of the banks and they're like, well, you can't have that money today. We don't have it. You know, so I, I knew how the Federal Reserve and all that shit. So I gave them a week's notice. They still, they said, oh, we can't give it to you in a week. And I went, what? Well, we can give you 35 and write you a check for 15. I go, your check's no fucking good. 
Mm-hmm. That's fucking good. And we went into the bank. I just screamed and yelled. And I said, I want $50,000. fucking thousand And they're like, sir, what do you... I go, the world's gone nuts. I'm taking my money. I'm putting it in cash. And I'm going to... And I walked around. I have a, a safe that also looks like a briefcase. It's a safe. <laughs> In five days a week, I'm driving around the Walmart truck with fucking $50,000 in cash <laughs> with this thing. But it was the fact that the bank, the bank said, no, you can't have your money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. But that's like you're saying, it's like, it's mine. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, but when you say, what, when did you get into Bitcoin? What year? What what class are you? So I started learning about it. The first time I started learning about it, properly learning about it was 2014, watching the Real Vision um, interviews. And then started really looking out for more videos because uh, it was sparse back then. You know, it was it, there wasn't a great deal. Yeah. That, that was the first that was the first real real touch point. It touched me before because I'd been in foreign exchange. So I'd already heard of Bitcoin way back but just dismissed it as internet geek money like everybody else as a joke uh so the real vision ones those interviews unlocked me mid 2014 i think it was and then 2015 back end of 2015 i was comfortable enough to think yeah there's something here and there's too many smart people i'd been in financial markets for 18 years and there's not that actually many smart people in those markets, you know, (laughs) there's a lot of, of, of chances and a lot of, um, you know, there's just there to make a quick buck. Um, The majority of people like anyone else are just trying to make money to look after their family. Uh, You know, that, that that's, that's all it boils down to. The, the superstar traders that kind of get depicted in these Wolf, Wolf, Wolf Street films and things like that, uh, they're very, very few, far, few and far between. It's very, very difficult to, to you know, make a long, long lasting career in, in, that, in that arena for, for many different reasons. So when I started listening to the Bitcoin guys on Real Vision, Turdemister, Trace Mayo was on there very, very early when Trace was pure Bitcoin. Yeah, what the and fuck happened he, to him? Yeah, well, brilliant talker. Um, they had uh, Wences uh, on as well. The the guy that, um, was it Zappa? I think he went on to find. Um, brilliant people. Mark Hart then started talking about Bitcoin and um, he's a very uh, good hedge fund manager with a great track record and you're like, wow, hang on a minute. Um, so then I found the Andreas videos and that was like, whoa, then Andreas's books. I'm like, okay, fine. Got comfortable, started buying, uh, and back end of 2015, the number go up really. It's, um, classic story of this. This could be a thing that is going to appreciate. And I want a slice of that pie. And, Let's see where this goes. And then, of course, you start falling down the rabbit hole. But I got to tell you, this last year has just been on fire. 
the 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 level now of material that is coming out yep. is unbelievable, unprecedented. No one's no one's coming up with thoughts and visions like this year. You yep. know, and, and yep. what is that? Is that it's just sat long enough with people that now is permeated all the way through that you know people like Breedlove and Parker are just yep. like. I, I, was gonna, I was just going to say that Parker and Breedlove, <laughs> when when I came in just recently and I heard and I read their stuff, especially Parker, crazy. And then I got into the Breedlove thing. I went, well, I mean, it's it's different. It's not like, oh, eye opening. It For me, it was like, where the fuck have these people been? Right. <laughs> it was everything i in my redneck way in my fucking country ass fucking way i've been saying to people for 30 years but when breed love and parker those two especially for me was like and that's why i ended up going okay i'm buying in the same sort of thing so many smart people but breed love and parker i went if these fuckers get it i'm in Finally, because I, I saw what Parker, I saw his picture. He's young. I saw Breed Love. He's maybe a little bit older, but he's still a bunch fucking younger than me. And I'm like, these are smart guys and they're in it. And then I, I, and I went ahead and bought in. And then I started seeing everybody else, young and old. You know, I started finding the route, pull up Pauls and blah, 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 up, up down the line. And I went, I'm fucking in. There's, my, my, my thing was there's too many smart people that believe in this. Mm -hmm. It can't be fake. It truly just cannot be fake. And like for you, when you first put down your first, your first, whatever your, your money was at that time, wherever you were, Singapore or whatever, wherever, when you put your first fucking dollar into Bitcoin, what year was that? And what was your thought the first time you fucking did it? Yeah, back end of 2015. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this is, and sweating. And like, and it, it was not a comfortable process to go through. It was because I had to do it via... I found a company via Singapore, which I could link a, um, an existing banking plus account. Two, plus two, let me stop you there. Because of all those years in the finance, you were all about currency. Yeah. And you're taking that currency that's as bullshit as bullshit gets and you're putting it into something else. That is yep. crazy internet money. So you had that mindset against you too, but then also the difficulty. Go ahead. Yeah, it's um, you're so right because everything for me had been about dollars or pounds or or euros and you know stocks or legacy financial assets. So to look at this new thing and then to try and track down a way to do it. So I'm, I managed um, managed doing it first couple of times, but then that company they're still around, but now you can't use it. They, 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 there was some regulation that that stops me from being able to use them luckily i'd got off um whatever i'd, I'd managed to buy 
And then the only other way I could figure out how to do it was by opening an account via Kraken. But that at that stage, they didn't even accept sterling deposits. So I had to then exchange sterling into dollars <laughs> via party app and then from that app send that to and each each step took a day or two right yeah and then it would crack in and then that would take a day or two to clear so it wasn't like click 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 no you and each one of these steps is another point where you just get fucked off with it and you're like ah oh, this is just Fuck. too difficult Fuck. oh this is yeah oh, i can't be bothered um <laughs> Luckily, I, I must have had enough conviction in it to, to keep pushing through. And enough understanding as well um, that, you know, a lot of people, this is gobbledygook, like, you know, an exchange. Like, what the fuck is an exchange? What, what, what are you saying? I need to set up an account and then I need to wire some money across and then I need to put in a bid or do I market buy or limit buy? You know, what's, what's this order book and how do I do it? It's, it's difficult. It's smash by <laughs> that's about it <laughs> that's about it it's because you can't treat it the same as stocks where you mm -hmm. put a limit order and all this other stuff well you can but you just go fuck it i'm buying now mm -hmm. and just you, you just smash it and it was even this even the same for me because i got in with swan when they were still sort of beta right and something fucked up because you had to do all the clearance of the ID and stuff. Instead of that, that the whatever it was, it was supposed to be a week and you're cleared and you go. Everything got fucked up. Reed Womack and me know each other way too well. Because <laughs> I, I've got no problem bitching and moaning about shit that's gone wrong. And I love Swan. And I'm still with Swan. There's shit that's gone fucking wrong, right? my clearance ended up being like fucking i wanted to buy in at the end of it somewhere in june it was they couldn't they fucked up the clearance da -da 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 i didn't get in till the end of july because shit was fucked up but i hung i hung in there because me not being internet savvy or anything there was no way i was going to an exchange i couldn't right because I was like, if I can't simply do this fucking DCA shit, I'm not in. I cannot fucking do it. But because everything's still, it is still early because everything's still very developmental. Even like like Swan's throwing the fucking wrench now that you can put an X-Pub in there. I don't know how to fucking do that <laughs> for the automatic withdrawal. Fuck, I got to learn that now. Shit. And, and, and I read the instructions. I was just doing it this weekend or yesterday before I got home. I'm reading the instructions on, on uh, this bullshit ledger wallet that I don't trust anymore. I've got a Cove and I've got a cold card coming and, 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 and shit. But I'm reading how to do this XPUB bullshit. And the way it's all written up, like, 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 like Gigi wrote up a thing, how to do it. But he assumes I know what the fuck I'm doing. And I'm reading it going, yeah, but fuck. It doesn't make no sense to me. It's like it, there needs to be a boomer that knows how to write the boomers. 
because I'm reading the instructions of how to do this, fucking doesn't mean shit to me. I'm just like lost in the world. I'll figure it out or I'll, I'll email Reed and go, Reed, hold my hand because he's held my hand quite a lot through this process because some other shit's fucked up and all this other stuff. Reed's the best. He's like, for for me being going off the rails, Reed is like Mr. Zen. Bring you down. Bring you back into the thing. But I really, and it gets me thinking, I, I really believe that some of the problem with my age group coming into this, we just don't understand the tech. We can, and, and the tech people speak to us like, well, okay, like maybe we're 20 years younger and it makes sense, right? They'll just kind of gloss over some shit and go, wait, what? We need a handheld because whether you like it or not, boomers have a fuckload of money. We're sitting on <laughs> piles of cash and most of us aren't happy with it, but we're sitting on it, right? And we would love, I mean, I'm doing it, but I've talked to some of my friends that are in my age group. And they're like, that's just too fucking hard. They don't want to deal with it. And if it could get either simpler or <laughs> there's a specific department in Bitcoin, places like at Swan or whatever, for old idiots that don't know shit about tech and talk them through it. Like Unchained Capitals deal with their, their uh, multi-sig. Their, uh, their, they'll, con they'll, they'll talk to you. They'll talk you through it. That's the only way I could get through multi-sig. There's no way this this guy could do it by myself with a specter or whatever. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I don't even understand what I'm doing. I've got my, uh, I've got a Kobo vault, right? And I'm about ready to set it up. And I'm, I'm, I'm like having nervous sweats. I'm shitting myself going, oh, God, can I do this by myself? Oh, fuck, Christ, hell. Because the ledger was bad enough, <laughs> you know. But really, that pile of cash that's sitting there in that boomer land, if, if the Bitcoin services <laughs> literally could somehow find somebody to talk, because that's part of the problem with with trying to get boomers into this, the 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 whole process, like what you went through was, I I would have just walked away. I wouldn't even have made it with what you went through, because I just went through it here in 2020, and it's much simpler. Boomers and their money are not going to do it. They're just not because it's too hard. It's too hard. Not saying you need to simplify it and give give way to privacy and security and all that stuff. Somebody's just got to explain it to them and hold their hand to get them to that. Because you might have a guy sitting on $500,000 and he's like, I, I fucking can't get it because I'm an old fucker. So I'm not going to do it. And he goes back and watches the football game on television where if there was just somebody that would fucking talk to him and go, no, really, here we go. Come on, come with me, come with me and get him in. He would gladly, because if he's got $500,000 sitting there, he knows money 
and he knows his money's bullshit. He would understand Bitcoin in a heartbeat, the philosophy behind it. But the tech stops it. It's like a brick wall. The tech of Bitcoin, it didn't, it, it probably stopped me for many years. Uh, once I found out the philosophy of Bitcoin, okay, there's, there's my guys. But then when I hit the tech, man, I hit a brick wall. And I had a moment. I had a moment of, fuck this shit. I'm not going to do it. I'm glad I did. And I went past it and just beat myself in the head, you know. But I see that on Twitter a lot where, oh, if we can just get those fucking boomers, you know, because we're all shit, right? <laughs> we're, we're shit. Not really. We're the nicest people on earth. But it's the fact that we just don't understand. I mean, I was 30 some fucking years old when a computer like this, like we see the modern day computer showed up. I'm not interested. I'm not. And most of those, the people I know that are in my age group, they're, they're Facebooking. That's, that's all they're doing. They're emailing. They're not using the internet as it is. And I, I don't. I don't, I don't know shit about it. I don't, and I don't care to know. I can stream a movie. Cool. I can watch it. I can watch a movie. Great. But everything that's on this tool, and it's a great tool. Love it. There's so much information and so much know-how on this computer, any computer. But those in my age group, we don't get it. And unless somebody helps us see it, it's not going to happen. And granted, we're almost all done, so nobody really fucking cares. But there's <laughs> a lot of money. There's a, there's a lot of money in that whole boomer society. And I'm the younger boomer. I'm the last of them, right? Mm -hmm. And I know people that didn't do what I did that are my age. And they're just, they're sitting on cash. They're just sitting on it. I mean, I got a pretty good pile for my own self. And I'm just a fucking idiot. Truck driver and did all the crazy shit I did. These are people that have played the game and they've won, right? And I've, I've said to them, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. And they're like, and they go look at it and they're like, fucking don't. I can't. What? And they don't get it. They were good at making money. They're not good at understanding what's what's in this box, as I call it, the, the box. Um, I think I think the whole Bitcoin developmental community and, and, and all that's kind of missing that large, unbelievable portion that would gladly jump in if they could understand. Not the philosophy. They can they can understand the philosophy all day long. They get it. That's why they're sitting on cash and it's not in other things, right? Mm -hmm. How they don't understand the tech and how yeah. hard it is. I mean, even a wallet. I remember the first few times I did withdrawals from my swan into my wallet. I was scared out of my fucking mind because I was mm -hmm. like, "Where's it going? Is it gonna go?" Is it, where's it at? What is this? You know, and I didn't, I didn't know. 
I was just nuts about it. And my wife was like, calm down, calm down. You're doing fine. I'm like, you fuck, <laughs> you know, because we just don't, it's not in our world. Our world is other things. You and others have grown up, especially somebody 30 years and younger. Computer stuff is just, yeah, What what's the deal? What, what's your problem, old man? <laughs> you know? Yep. But for it's, you to get into it at that, for you to get into it at that stage in 2015 and your background in currency, that whole psyche of what you're doing every day you go to work, you're starting to realize is total fucking shit. And your your progress started, right? Your your progression to where you're getting. Yeah, and I'd um I'd been away from work for about a year at that time because March 2014 was when we left uh in Singapore uh, left Singapore. Singapore. So I definitely had more time. I had the I guess I had the time, right? You have the time to 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 seek out things that start interesting you, That's uh, all- rather than. That's all you Rather need is time to think. Like I, I told mm-hmm. you, the truck driver thing. When you got 24 yeah. hours a, a day to think, you can't help but find yourself. It's that mm-hmm. slow up when you got out of that and you, you got to the new world you were going to be. You had time to think. Think. Ah. You know, it's like a deep breath. Deep breath. Time to breathe. Yeah, I was going to say, time to breathe. Because before you'd just been running a hundred miles an hour just to stand still, and it's uh, it's crazy. But yeah, you're right about the um, the boomer the boomer population having this you know, the, the the biggest generation that's um, ever lived, the wealthiest generation that's ever lived, and where you know where is that wealth going to go? It's just gonna it's gonna be taxed away, you know, inheritance tax or whatever else. So it's that's just tax. gonna be inheritance tax. Away. And if we can help the boomer generation understand that, it's like maybe that. And talking about it as a as a savings account rather than a um, yep. a speculative set, that definitely helps. Jeff Booth and Michael Saylor were talking about that when when they were on, and as well that now now you they could literally tell their wealth manager could just can you just buy GBTC. It's that simple, right? For those guys, if they don't want to go down the route of falling down the rabbit hole and getting the hardware wallet and all of this, don't blame you, but at least tell your wealth manager, whoever's managing your wealth, hey, put some GBTC in my in my portfolio. Yep. Because that's just another stock ticket. If you're not going to do that, buy MicroStrategy. Buy me some MSTR, please. Call up your broker at Deutsche or wherever, whoever's looking after your money, call them up, say, can you put some microstrategy stocks in my portfolio, please? Once still, you're not going to get away this, this, you know, when you do depart and the people with the generations coming behind you, that's still going to get taxed away. If you can get over the hump and buy yourself some Bitcoin and self-custody, self-custody that, then that's your kids. That's your grandkids stuff. Yeah, well, that's, all you got to do is. That's the big one. The boomer generation 
even before, like my grandmother, she gifted me only what the American government would allow her to gift me when she died. And mm-hmm. along with my brother and run it up. With Bitcoin, they could gift to their grandkids and don't even have to fucking worry about the bullshit. They could gift them oh, look. everything, you know, if they wanted to and not have to deal with the death tax, the inheritance tax, and God knows whatever. They come up with a new tax every fucking day. We don't even mm-hmm. know it. They just do it. And next thing you know, you, you're caught in the web. Uh, that, if they could look at that, uh, and I don't know how to do it, but it, like if, if, if uh, the smart guys in the world, in, in this world, in the uh, Bitcoin world, could figure out how to talk to boomers about gifting that money to their grandkids instead of, well, they're going to inherit it and they're going to pay this much tax and la, 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 if they could just gift it and show them how simple it it really is. Once you get past the the brick wall of the tech that comes into them, it's literally a boomer could put a bunch of money into Bitcoin, buy a bunch of Bitcoin, transfer Mm -hmm. to a wallet for the grandkids and let 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 mom and dad hold that mm-hmm. that's it it's done it's, that's and, generational and when the boomer down. dies and when the boomer dies there's nothing for the government to go get because it's already in a wallet somewhere it's gone sorry sayonara motherfucker <laughs> you don't get my shit there would be I, you just know because his grandparents they would love to be able to do that and I'm at I'm at the age where I'm I, if I had kids I would be a grandparent. My brother's about ready with his kids. They're probably going to start. One's married and they're going to start having babies and shit. Uh, and there's a long story to why. Remember I told you I grew up with all kinds of money. Nobody in my family has money anymore. It's all gone. Yeah. And I'm not going right. to. I could. I'll I'll tell you this much. My brother is a felon. Now it's, it's all set up and my dad, my dad, when I was 18, part of that story, I never got to tell you, my dad, when I was 18, came out of the closet, Right. not by wanting to come out of the closet, the cops came to our door. What? Uh, back in Indianapolis, there was a, the prosecutor, the, uh, uh Steve Goldsmith, he was the the prosecutor, AG, or whatever you want to call it in Indianapolis. My dad was gay. I didn't know that. Who knows? And it doesn't matter to me, but 25 prominent businessmen in Indianapolis all got arrested on the same night for supposedly a male prostitution ring. And my uncle being a cop, thank God he came to our door. And and this was right when I had quit college and I'd come back. I'm out of college, right? And I'm hanging at the house and the cops, and my uncle comes to the door and goes, uh, where's your dad? Right over here. 
takes him off to jail. We don't know why. My dad's like, what the fuck are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what? It was always set up because Stephen Goldsmith became the mayor of Indianapolis, Mayor Stephen Goldsmith. He became the governor of Indianapolis. At one point, he thought he was going to run for president of the United States, but now he's just a lobbyist on K Street. He's worked his way up, right? Out of the 25 guys that were supposedly indicted, well, they, they never really, none of them ever went to court. These 25 guys, they rounded up in that one night, prominent businessmen that were gay in Indianapolis. And this is 1982. So mind you, this is before gay's cool. <laughs> you know, gay ain't cool, right? Dad's business went to shit after this. More than, uh, I think, four or five of the guys ended up committing suicide because they were just crazy. But it was about a male prostitution ring. None of them ever went to court because it wasn't there. None of it was right. there. None of it was there. It ruined my dad's business and blah, blah, blah. My brother being the dentist, he's no longer a dentist because when his wife died, they'd been separated. His wife had been co-signing his name <laughs> to fucking loads. She died. He found out he was a million dollars in debt. <laughs> oh, my. She fraudulently co-signed his name to a bunch of shit. His dental practice in upstate New York actually got broken into. He fucked up. He claimed a machine that he didn't really have. Insurance fraud. Boom. Fraud. You know, and, and insurance fraud, that's felony. So... He goes, he, he spent six months in jail for that. And then gets out of that. He's still got his license. So he gets on with this company. <laughs> he's a traveling dentist around New York and he's doing this shit. This is how I got against the government. I saw what happened to my dad. My brother wasn't there. He thought it was all bullshit. He fucking hated dad for years about being gay and whatever. Bullshit. But anyway, so he didn't believe it. So he gets out of his fraud thing and he pled and he wasn't a felon at that stage. So he gets a job with a large conglomerate of dentist thing called Small Smiles. And anyways, when he would get done with somebody's teeth, he would just sign a piece of paper and off goes the, the dental hygienist and la la. Well, it turns out Small Smiles is, is, is fucking with Medicare and Medicaid. They're stealing money. Because my brother had this thing on him before, that's the only reason they hired him. He was the fall guy. So when they got caught, they threw it all on my brother. Then he went back to prison again. But this time he's a felon, right? He never did any. He's like, I'm just signing fucking papers that I'm done with doing their fucking filling. What the fuck is this shit, right? The American government doesn't fucking care. And then and, and FBI, whatever else. So anyways, all that shit goes down. And this is, this is why I, I've learned so much about how our system really works as far as government and investigation stuff. Um, He gets through that. He's 
luckily he's he's destitute when he comes out of jail he's destitute he's got his two kids and a lot of a lot thank god a friend of his who got a girl pregnant senior senior of college no college education started working at a plumbing company years ago in the 70s and ends up buying the plumbing company gives him the job this guy's a millionaire a neighbor from our neighborhood is now a millionaire no college education and all this other stuff my brother's always been big time college education blah, blah, blah. but i've seen how our system will work against people and destroy people my dad's business when when it came out in 82 that he was gay and like i said none of them went to jail none of them went to court it was all thrown out but because of scandals in the paper every one of their businesses just went to shit. so like i had told you earlier on your podcast i had nothing we ate mac and cheese and hot dogs for years dad made all the money and then all of a sudden it was all gone again <laughs> so about two years into me quitting college not only did they cut me off the money then two years into it there was nothing left it was gone but you can see how my mind at least got so twisted with truth and justice in the american way superman right because I saw it firsthand. I saw what happened, what went down with my dad. And then later in life, I saw what went down with my brother. You know what my brother said to me when he got out of jail? He said, how did you know? And I said, how did I know what? He goes, how did you know to stay below the radar? Right. And I said, well, because I was there when it went down with dad. When I was 19 years old, I was there. I watched the government do its whatever the hell it did. And I watched the media do whatever it did and all that other stuff. You didn't want to pay attention to that. So you were just off doing your dental school and then you're off to dentistry and la la la. I said, if if you recall, when 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 your insurance fraud went down, I said, You're done being a dentist. Get the fuck out somebody and i told him i go somebody's going to take advantage of you because of this blotch on your system it's just the way the world works now people are despicable and they'll 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 use you they didn't believe me that's what he said he goes how did you know i go i'm not as stupid as you think i am <laughs> you know but it, it's part of that that's the ongoing part of the whole life story i've watched i've watched government ruin a family mom and dad divorced obviously because he doesn't like mom <laughs> never you know he likes guys but that was from 19 and my brother got his shit when i was like it was before i met my wife so i was in my 40s so from from that 20-year period call it a 20-year period i watched the government destroy two people in my family and none of them were guilty but they ran out of money to defend themselves. Mm. Ain't that Thanks. something? So hello, Bitcoin. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> hello, right? It's all part of it. Yeah. This is like what we were talking about before. Like these, these, 
something has drawn a straight line to Bitcoin for you, for all of us, probably. All of us. And, yeah, just figuring out what those what those dots were in the past. And it will get everyone because, and I, I think Breed Lovers texted this or tweeted it, um, you know, humanity will move towards the truest form of money. That's just the way it is. Um, we had the truest form of money in gold and then that got corrupted. And now everybody seems to think like the truest form of money is the US dollar. That's why you, when you visit places like Bali, for example, you go with US dollars. You don't go with Indonesian rupees. When you visit some places in the Philippines, what did I want? Did I want the Filipino peso or did I want US dollars? Yeah, you no, know? They don't want the Philippine peso. <laughs> no. So, and they soon. don't want the Philippines peso. <laughs> in Canada, you're going to want, you know, people are going to be wanting US dollars instead of Canadian dollars. This, this, is, this is crazy. So when, when Bitcoin is just sitting there at the top of this pile saying, guys, I got you back. I am the soundest, hardest money. This is something, you know, coupled with something our species has never experienced before. Like this, this medium never. of exchange, a medium of exchange that has definitive scarcity built into it. That is, this is like another evolution in our species. And I think that's being like underplayed. This is like the opposable thumb 2.0. This it's like nuts that we we've never, but something so important that underpins every, everything like what we choose to use as a medium of exchange underpins how the society is going to function. And we've never had a medium of exchange that is going to be, Scarce. Blows me away. Yep. I know it's it's it, 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 it's hard to it, it, it's hard when you think it's hard for me and I'm I can only speak from my perspective. It's hard for me for I've been telling close friends of mine what I've been doing and what I've gotten into this year. And they, they shake their heads. They're like, fucking, what are you doing? What are you doing? Again, that's the dumbest fucking thing you've ever done, Bubba. <laughs> it's just that. And it's because they're so entwined in the, the mess that is money, the mess that is life the mess that is is our governments all around the world it's not just the american fucking government they're all fucked up everything's mm. fucked and i shake my head and i go how i know you're not stupid how do you not see it i know you want to believe that everything you've been told in your whole life it's hard to go it's a lie and I, but I've also had friends go, how did you know all those years ago? I've had that. How did you know when we, we threw you away because you were nuts? How did you know? 
And I said, I didn't know back then. I just knew it wasn't right what we were doing. That's all I knew. I hadn't put it together. Uh, but the ones that, that even that, that, the ones that are saying, how did you know? They're not, they're not willing to take that leap. They're not willing to go. I'm like, it's, it's simple. And I, I use the, the swan thing. I go, fucking set it up as a savings account. That's all it is. It's just savings. I said, I don't, I'm not ever going to, for a long time, I have no plans of using it. It's savings. Oh, God. And I go, okay, you've got your money and your savings and whatever you've got it in. They're all coming, but the problem is they're all coming to that retirement age. They're staring it in their face and they're, they're scared to death. I say to them all the time, I go, well, let's see, 2008, it crashed, 1987, it crashed. In your lifetime, your 401k will go to shit. It's been proven. Maybe it's on the day before you retire. Boom. Three quarters of your, your wealth is just gone. Or you can take a chance. But they don't want to, they don't want to run on that. I don't know. They're scared of it. And I, and I, I get it a little bit, you know, you got to get to keep going. Bubba. It's um, I, I, I had Croesus on the, the show and he's like, you got to fall on that sword. It's um, that's it, it. And it's a good way to put it because, you know, if you don't, if you don't keep going, you don't keep trying to help them, then um, they'll never get there. I'm still here. That's the problem with the bar room. Every once in a while, you got to run off to the kitty. <laughs> Without me having that goddamn earphones, it don't seem to work. But yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, like, uh, you know, every I see that. Well, like in, in your situation, you, you you same thing. If I remember right, on your you you didn't go to college either. You went straight into the desk, right? Correct. Okay, and you go up to your stage and you go, "Fuck it, we're out of here." And at this stage in time, I'm sure there's old friends of yours that are still wondering, "What the fuck are you doing?" Especially when you quit it all. And, yep. and and you ran off you ran off to travel the world with the, the wife and the kids mm -hmm. yeah had it all the way man like what do you mean you're not going to university <laughs> i cannot do another four years of academia it's not for me i do not like it it is shit yep. i don't it's like this this last from from seven to 18 19 what it's been hell it's not been great you know it's it's whatever i want to get on let's get up into the city let's find out what else is going on let's go do some work and that was a weird one then at the age of 22 what do you mean you're leaving to singapore like where the hell is singapore what are you even saying even yeah. where it is and like you know it's like whatever it's like right okay fine 
go and do that um, 15 years, then what um, living over there 18 years career in total. And what do you mean you're leaving it? You can't do that. You can't just you're 37. You can't just walk away from work. I'm gonna. What do you mean you're going to take your kids out of school? You can't do that. They're never going to be able to function in society. You're, you're going to harm them. I'm gonna. What do you mean you're going to travel with them? Like for, you know, four kids under the age of eight. You're just going to swan off and travel with them? Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. (laughs) You know, what makes you think you can do all this shit? What makes you think you can't? That's the question. And it's... Exactly. You know, that's the question. What do you mean you're going to start a podcast? I'm going to, like you. Why not? I'm, we're just having a conversation. I just happened to press record. Now I'm going to drag and drop that into another platform that broadcasts it. If people want to listen to it, great. If they don't, whatever. But it might change someone's life. It might. Uh, so that when you went to Singapore, that was over 20 some years ago, right? When you 19, went, 19 when? 1999. What changes? Because somewhere in there, that one kid got caned. <laughs> but what changes did you see in Singapore? Because one of our one of our good friends here in Nevada, uh, he's a Vietnam veteran. He's married to a woman from Singapore. They didn't get married, but a few years ago. But she tells us a little bit about Singapore. But what changes? Because, of course, she speaks, oh, it's the most freest place on earth. And, la, la, la. and I'm like, you can't drop bubble gum on the ground. You're fucking, <laughs> you know, fuck you. What changes did you see from that 1999? So uh, you finally left. What changes did you see in Singapore? Hyper corporatization, if that's a word. It, it, it was just all about money, money, money. Um, let's attract as many of the big banks here as we can. Let's build a central financial district, CB, uh, central business district. And let's attract as many big pharma companies here as we can. Let's build a, a big um, financial uh, so, um, pharma park, science bio park type thing. And these are all like, um, when I say park, it's the opposite of the word park because it's just full of buildings and skyscrapers and whatever else. Sure, I, so, I yeah. Central business district, bunch of skyscrapers go up on reclaimed land that had been sitting there dormant for however many years. And a little bit further out, they put up uh, where all the, the biotech companies are going to come. And these companies get huge tax discounts to come in. Yeah, yeah. And Complete. they come in and set up and make it their hub, their headquarters. And then the um, what, uh, out by Changi Airport, they've got the huge uh, business park where they have all of the huge tech backups. So all the banks are downtown where like they'll have the trading floors and everything else. But then the business park all the way out, that's where all of like the the settlements desks are, all of the tech guys are. It's just, it's incredible how many buildings were built in the 15 years that we were there. Yeah. All to house these different, corporations and the government spin it oh we're going to create so much employment 
the 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 best jobs are going to the expatriates coming across with the yep with with the banks or with the um the biotechs not necessarily for the local singapore people no the local singapore person might get hired as um that they'll get there's certain criteria you have to meet you have to employ a certain amount of uh, singaporean people but it's very very rarely that they would be in the high paying jobs so there is definitely an air of resentment between the local people there and the the expatriate community and of course this has knock-on effects because housing prices just start going through the roof i've that i heard about what she told me you know what shit costs over there like cars and houses and stuff like they're amazing fuck yeah it's unbelievable and so it's completely out of reach for almost any singaporean citizen yeah and you know it's not a free place it's a it's the furthest thing from a democracy it's a one family led party it's uh you know it's a dictatorship for it it, it is it's a soft dictatorship and they are absolutely creaming in off the top uh you know the amount of tax that the government collects and the amount of bad money that gets washed through singapore and through the bank system because you have very bad actors in um, the logging space all around southeast asia uh, the palm oil corporations uh big problem in the philippines as you know big problem in it's same thing same story in the philippines and these guys, they just get so damn rich and uh, they're all government officials and they're all on the take. Yep. And then they'll go and buy a building block in Singapore. They won't buy an apartment. They'll buy a strip or they'll buy like 10, you know, yep. 10 floors of apartments because that guy has just made so many millions or billions of pesos. He doesn't want pesos. So he buys apartments in Singapore. Yeah, you know, and but, it's the same. It, it, it's 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 pretty bad. Yeah, well, it's like in the Philippines, uh, Cresty just because <laughs> she sent she sent our Spotify, the one I did mm-hmm. with you, to the family. Right. And luckily, Spotify plays in the Philippines, so they laughed and stuff. But they went, "Oh, Bitcoin, la la la." Manny Pacquiao's in Bitcoin. Really? Really? Fuck, that's great. I said, Google that and stuff. No, Manny Pacquiao ain't in Bitcoin. He's in crypto. Manny Pacquiao has a fucking token. No. And the only people that are buying it is fucking Filipinos. So he's fucking every one of them. It's a shit coin, right? Manny is fucking... Because Manny's a senator now. (laughs) The greatest boxer... The Philippines has ever seen is now a senator in the Philippines. So he's a government official. Yeah, it, it, the man's got a third grade education. He's dumber than shit. Great boxer, dumber than fuck. But people are buying into Manny's token. Oh my god. Yeah, he's fucking his own people, and he just mm. smiles all the way through it. And the people smile because it's Manny, Manny Pacquiao. You know. Because I would get in trouble all the time when I lived there. And I'd go, well, really, is Pacquiao that great of a boxer? I mean, he's never really been up against anybody. But Christ. And then he went up against some American boxer. 
black guy, and the black guy, the American boxer, knocked his ass down. And they're like, yeah, but it was a freak accident. They just believe in Manny because Manny's Manny. I, I understand it, national pride and all that stuff, but it's a fucking Manny Pacquiao token. So it's a shit. Oh, uh, oh no. <laughs> I mean, it's rampant. It's, it's, it's rampant. But like what you were saying about Singapore, same thing in the Philippines. You see up in Manila and Cebu City, you see the money. It's all there. Most of it's from China. Uh, but, but they've always been there in the Philippines. But now it's, it's ridiculous. It's like I said, it, that's part of my fear of moving over there and retiring. But it's their homeland, so I'm going. Part of my fear is when when they when their new president got elected back in whatever 16 i was supposed to go back then he got elected and i went nah he's a commie bastard and sure enough this killing in the streets and all this other stuff but he sold the soul of the philippines to china so i always worry about that because i'm going to go over there what the hell is going to happen you know with I know who's ruling the Philippines. It ain't the U.S. no more. It's China. China's got a hold with the China Seas and all the other stuff that's going on. South China Sea. China's built islands in the middle of a fucking ocean that weren't there. <laughs> you know? They own it. They, they own the fucking country. They put so much money into it. It's mm -hmm. crazy. But when you see in those two cities of uh, Manila and Cebu City, those are the two big, big cities. It's not profiting any Filipinos at all. You know, except maybe government officials, obviously. And it's, it's so sad to see because humans, they're humans. And they're, they're being screwed by their national pride. Uh, and, and, and some people may get a job that gives them a little, a few more pesos a month. And in the Philippine way, if, if you get a hundred more pesos a month, cool, great. Now a hundred pesos is $2, but they'll, They'll fuck their family because it's just, it's ingrained like, like little kids on the street begging for money. Hey, Joe, you know, that's every white guy, which, which pisses off every Englishman and every fucking Australian and shit. Hey, Joe, they hate it because they're all called Kano's when they're in the Philippines. If you're white, you're a Kano. So if you go, if you go to the Philippines, you're an American. Doesn't matter about your accent. Doesn't fucking matter. You're an American. But I would do things like kid would say, hey, give me a peso, Joe. Give me a peso. And I'd be like, give me five and I'll give you one. And they'd be like, what? They, they just didn't get it. What I did throw money, pesos, over the boats when you're going to an island you're getting on a boat and you're going to an island because there's these kids with just 
plywood and they made these straps so they could have flippers on their feet and they would dive down. You would throw the money into the water and they would dive down. They would work for that fucking peso. Now it may have only been 10 feet, 12 feet at that at the port, but they would do it. I would fucking just throw pesos like crazy because they were working for it. The kid on the streets going, give me a peso. And I'd be like, no, I'm not because that kid would be in 18 years. He's the kid with the gun saying, give me a fucking peso, you know, but the Philippines people have been screwed the same way. Like you were saying, you saw in Singapore. And, and I think it's a, a, a deep problem, probably in all of Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the normal local people with what's happening in Asia, cause it's probably going to become a powerhouse. Uh, they're just screwed. It's it's the yeah. foreigners coming in that are getting all the stuff. Yeah, and Hong Kong's in a bad position as well with with China. Yeah. Um, so China. yeah. Well, Bubba, I have to. I, I'm gonna have to run, brother, because we're gonna go and have some dinner. Uh, this yeah. has been so great hanging out with you, and all the best with the podcast. I'm very humbled and. Um, yeah, it's really nice to, to come on and, and be part of this with you and your first guest. Well, you have you have to, because now you know the song. This is the go-out song, and you have to follow the bouncing ball. And whether you can sing or not, you go along with it. So here you go. Easy money makes life hard. Hard money makes it easy. Sing along, Dan. It's barely on up to the bar. Story, yeah, show your scars. Sing it now. Bar stools and Bitcoin. Sing it now. Bullshit. One more time. Come on. It's bar stools and Bitcoin and bullshit. That's right. See, Love you it. can sing too. <laughs> Thanks so much. Have a great, uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank Take you, care, man. man. Thanks for doing this, and and let's hope this came out all right. But I appreciate everything you've done for me on, on this side of the, the, the realm. But it was great talking with you. Have fun with your family, man. Thank you so much. Take care. See ya.